and Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our producer and tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Among them are Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities, The Secrets of Spirit Communication, Sensing the Future, and Aliens in the Backyard. Trisha's latest novel is White Crows, and Rob has recently completed releasing the audio edition of Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Coming out later this month is our new book, The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground, in which we explore the ongoing shift in awareness of millions of people around the world who recognize that in spite of what we see in the everyday world, we are all energetically entangled at a deeper level of consciousness and possibly in the midst of a shift to a higher evolutionary state of mind. We hope. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest today is Suzanne Cunningham. Uh, Going through a childhood filled with anomalous experiences, Suzanne walked the road her soul chose for her, her words. After an out-of-body NDE in her early 20s, she went on to have a spontaneous kundalini opening. As is sometimes the case, the experience left her struggling through a spiritual emergency that forced her to come to terms with her gifts and deal with a difficult childhood. Beginning her journey with A Course in Miracles and studying everything she could to bring deeper insight and understanding. Suzanne eventually sought out an advanced spiritual mentor and found found her in Reverend Sheila Applegate, an internationally known teacher, healer, and psychic. Switching gears and ultimately leaving her career in high-end fashion, Suzanne continued to read, study, and challenge herself with an emphasis on spirituality, healing, energy, and consciousness. Suzanne has been a Reiki master teacher and practitioner since 2006. Her commitment to reaching into the unknown with faith and courage, using her personal experiences to connect and help others and spending time with cutting edge thought leaders and teachers continues today. Welcome, Suzanne. It's great to finally meet you. Welcome, Suzanne. It's so nice to meet the two of you finally, too. Um, I I have to say that I um, Trish was kind enough to gift me with the shift and I am voraciously working my way through it. And it's wonderful. (laughs) Okay, Thank great. Glad it's funny you, you mentioned that Zen six six six. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we've we've I mentioned know. we've mentioned that a few times on the podcast. That one, <laughs> that one has, story has come up. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Okay, so, well, I'll start. Rob. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> uh, those anomalous experiences from childhood. Can you share a couple of them? Sure. Um, yeah. I was trying to think back so long ago um, when when I was a kid, I would have um, I, I think they were visitations, um, people kind of coming and showing up in the bedroom, um, elderly people that maybe I met at my grandparents church or or um, out in the world. Um, and I didn't have a clue as to what to make of all of that. And of course, was terrified and just hid it under the covers. Um, by the time I reached like middle school, um, that I, I had a dream and, um, I dreamt that one of my classmates passed. Mm. And, uh, when I showed up at school the next day that had in fact happened and, you know, typical of every seventh grader in the world, I thought it was all about me, you know, cause that's what <laughs> we do. And we think, Oh my goodness, do I now have the power to be able to, you know, make people die? <laughs> mayhem in people's lives. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think I essentially began the shutdown around there. Um, I, you know, this was the I was I was born in 1960. So this is the early 70s. There's no path, there's no internet, there's yeah. no way for me to figure out what's happening. And um, my dad was a bit accepting and a bit um, 
he was, he was really open-minded and a little bit more intellectual. And, and he sort of um, helped me to feel like I wasn't completely crazy, but again, there was still no, no path forward and I didn't know what to do with any of it. Hmm. So Suzanne, wasn't it uh, through a connection with the afterlife, uh, uh, somebody from the afterlife that uh, the reason that you first contacted Trish? It actually was. And yeah. you know, it's funny because I don't, I never, I would never call myself a medium. People who do, um, do um, mediumship work are um, so highly gifted, but more than that, it's a commitment to um, teaching and helping others in grief. And I have my own things that I'm interested in doing and to support the world and, and uh, humanity. But, um, but that is not the path of that that I chose. So, but occasionally someone will come through if they're a very strong spirit. Generally, it, someone who has, um, if they themselves were um, explorers of spirituality or they themselves were a little, had a little more um, experience in this realm, they'll come through. It's really interesting. But um, most of the time, I, you know, I have really strong protection. I've learned over the years that to maintain that is my, is to maintain my sanity. And I don't want, you know, people bumping in and out all night long. This just doesn't work for me. So, um, so yeah, it was really unusual. that it was Scott Colburn. Yeah. who was a podcaster and we were on his show actually in 2019, a couple of months before he, he died, his death was unexpected. So explain what you picked up. So he kept showing up at first. I was just aware of the name and I used to listen to his podcast. So I thought, well, that's odd, but you know, just out of random. And, you know, that's to me, one of the, um, one of the signs, the cardinal signs of something being an anomalous experience is you start to notice that it just shows up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's not like I was thinking about him. I mean, there was just no reason. And suddenly his name kept popping into my head and I thought, well, that's odd. So I did what I often do in these circumstances. I went to the internet and I Googled him and I realized that he had, he had indeed passed. Somebody had mentioned that they thought he did, but I hadn't really even paid that much attention. I didn't know if he'd retired or what the situation was. Uh, and I saw his picture. And when I saw his picture, it was like the, the key went into the lock and everything opened up. Oh, so and you actually so saw him. I head. saw, yes, mm -hmm. I did. Well, I, at first I was, you know, I saw the picture on Google and then once I did that, then I saw him. And he was affable and kind and a good soul. And he really just wanted to see if I could connect him with his daughter um, and, and his son too. But his daughter was the one who was um, at the forefront of his mind and therefore mine. So I thought, well, I have no idea how to do any of this. And then I saw the flash of the book. I don't know that I have it here. I should have it here. I should have brought it, but I saw the cardinals on the front of the book. Oh, so the uh, secrets of spirit communication. Yes. Yeah. So he flashed that cover on and I was like, oh, I think I know who they are. <laughs> and so one thing led to another and I found your website and reached out to you, Trish and, and Rob. And that's kind of how this all happened. Right. That's, That's fascinating. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating too that he held up the book. <laughs> I know. I, no, I mean, that's, but I think it was because, so this is what I've learned about spirit communication. They use whatever is in your brain. And I had the book, I had uh -huh. read the book. Yeah. So he must, you know, I don't know how they know what we know, but I've had it happen <laughs> so many times that I've learned. I just don't question it anymore. It's like, um, and, and, you know, when I teach students, a lot of what I'm teaching them is to make sure that you're reading as much as possible and that you're right. expanding your, your life as much as possible and your ideas and get creative because spirit uses everything in order to communicate with us. So that's what I felt like happened. And then it led me in the direction of connecting with you all. And I had done a chart for his daughter. He had hired me to do a chart for her. So I had her email. So I wrote her and sent her the message. I never heard anything back, but at least she got the message. Right. Well, we did our part. And that's sometimes yeah. that's all you can do. And he, he literally thanked me when it was done and you and I had connected and he knew that that had happened. It was, he thanked me 
And, um, and, and then he just receded and he, I have not seen Heidner hair of him since then. Huh. No sense. So no, we're nothing just gone. So, so I don't know. I, you know, who knows? Maybe it's an email account she doesn't use anymore. And maybe yeah, now his be. next, his next job is to get her to go to this email account <laughs> that she's never, that she's stopped using or, uh, you know, threw away one of those throwaway emails. So do you think they have books on the other side then? I mean, you, you uh, no, I, I don't think they need to. I think they have powers. You know? oh. <laughs> They're peering over our shoulders, just doing downloads. I'm assuming that it's no different than here. We get those downloads of information sometimes mm-hmm. um, if we're um, connected. And I, I would think that it's no different on the other side. They get downloads of information from this side that tells them kind of, I, that's the only way I can think about it because how else would someone on the other side know what's yeah. in my head? <laughs> Interesting. Well, okay. So tell us about your NDE. Can you describe what you experienced? Yeah, I was 22. I was a new mom. I had a three month old. We, uh, my ex-husband and I were in the car and, uh, went over, uh, I was, I, re- I was reaching into the back to adjust him in his car seat and hit a bump. And I hit the crown of my head as hard as you can imagine. Saw On star- the car. Oh yeah, up on uh-huh. you know back in the seventies, those car those um, lights, those overhead yeah. lights, yeah. Uh, they were you know they were real, and um, I hit it so hard, and I knew I was like, oh, I'm in trouble here because I was sleep deprived. My husband was traveling, and I thought, how am I going to stay awake? Like, how am I going to stay awake? Because I was pretty sure I'd given myself a concussion. So I did my best. It was early in the evening. It was probably around six or seven. And I stayed up until probably 10. And I thought, well, it's going to have to be good enough. I've got a baby to get up with. I have to go to bed. And so there I was laying in bed. And the next thing I knew, I felt myself lift out of my chest, right from the solar plexus heart area, just lift right up. And I was in another space in another place. And off to my left, I could see light. I mean, you remember this is early eighties, 1982. None of the NDE stuff is out in public at that point. So this is just, you know, was my experience. Um, and I saw the light, it was off to my left and I knew that everything I would ever want to know or could ever, um, imagine was in that light. But I also felt the love coming from it. And the love was the thing that was, I was just completely undone. And up until then, because I had had a difficult childhood and because things had been a little rough, I, um, I really questioned, was there a God? And if there is a God, what is he doing here? And why is he not here? And, and why don't we see him in more, um, in more concrete ways? Um, and a child that I was. And, um, but in that moment, I knew that, that it was all okay. And that um, he had us and he loves us. And it was remarkable. And from there, I traveled to another space. Um, all, the only way I can just, you know, Venus, the, um, the picture of Venus, the Botticelli, it was like right. that. And it was that color. Wow. And I met my grandmother who had recently passed and um, she said, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and <laughs> she blunt. said, and she said, they don't know that I've come. And the next thing I knew I was in our apartment. But the thing was, when I went back into the apartment, I was in the in-between. I was not in my body. I was not mm. in this lighted realm. I was in a great, very gray, um, sort of scary space. I don't suppose it had to be scary, but it felt that way at that moment to me. And I remember looking into the crib, down the hallway, into the crib with my baby son. And the next thing I knew, I was back in my body. So that's my NDE. Hmm. That's incredible. (laughs) It was. And you never, I mean, but you don't know if you died, right? I don't know. And that's why I say out of body, NDE out of body. Right. But the thing is, usually, at least from what I've figured out now, um, if it's an out of body, I don't know that you come from your chest and out. I've never heard anybody describe that before. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that was so significant. And yet I was not clearly, I was not meant to stay or I would have had an in the light experience. Right. 
Um, mine was more to say there is a light, there is love. You have nothing to fear. Death doesn't mean anything, and you've got work to do. That's kind of how I took it. So, <laughs> that went. Yeah. So, and you so were did, just twenty-two. I was twenty-two. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so did you wake up in the morning then on time for your baby, and were you okay? Oh yeah, everything like, but uh, but like this, like deer in headlights. I and <laughs> you know for the next for the next, I'm going to say six months. It really. Uh, rattled me in ways that I can't even describe because I knew that every single thing I was looking at, everything that I was seeing was not what I thought it was. And I knew that consciousness um, existed and transcended. And I also knew that this is a poor expression of all that is. It's a very, you know, this is a very mundane level. And to have to come back was hard, although I had you know, this, this child. So, and my husband and my family, and of course, um, you know, certainly a lot of love around that, but, but the idea that this was where I was now, and I, I, it was just really hard to accept at some level. And I didn't have anybody to say, Hey, what just happened to me? I don't <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> it was, I wanted to talk to the priest and, you know, and, 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 you know, my family dissuaded me. They all thought I was just crazy at this point. They're just like, yeah, you've <laughs> lost your mind. This is not possible. And nothing has given, given me more joy or pleasure than watching the, the, um, the books and the stories and the movies uh-huh. and, you know, as the years have gone on, because mm-hmm. as the years have gone on, my mom, especially, um, really shifted in her perspective around these experiences that I was having and grew to um, understand and accept them. And that was a really important thing for me. Is she still alive? She's not now. She's uh-huh. passed. But by the time she was getting into her very late years, she would say things like, my father passed in, in 2000. And she would say things like, your dad was out in the hallway last night. Go <laughs> like, oh, was he, mom? That's so interesting. It was just so funny. And then she would say to me, I can't believe how warm your hands get when you do Reiki. I can't, I can't uh. believe how warm your hands are. So because she knows I'm a cold handed girl normally, but. So, yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Now, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Reiki. Uh, you're the first Reiki healer we've had on the podcast. Can you explain what Reiki is and how it works? Yeah. And, ha- and how you're <laughs> able to do remote healing. This is a real puzzle to me. Okay. Well, you know, there is no time in space and um, we are all connected as, as the shift is clearly laying out. We are all connected to each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's not me. I'm only the conduit. So what I do is I open to that light that I saw and encountered, and I ask to be a pure and open conduit of that energy, that healing energy. And um, Reiki is really the format around which I learned to do that. And it's wonderful. Um, It can't do anything negative. It is that light and that love. And it's coming down through um, my energetic field, um, through my aura, through through me, and then out and into the um, client. And it goes where it needs to go, and it works in the way that it needs to work. And the reason that I can do it at a, at a distance is it's no different than Larry Dossie when he did the whole uh-huh. prayer, you know, the whole prayer experiment. Yeah. Reiki's no different. Reiki is like a prayer, a healing prayer, only it's done over an extended period of time. And, um, and there are positions that you hold your hand in so that you're hitting all, really all the chakras is what you're doing. And then once in a while, not always, but a lot of times, uh, as I'm in someone's energy field, part of the reason that they're there, the injury or the illness that brought them to me, or even the emotional upset will reveal itself but only ever just so much so that they can then take that and work with that and understand that that may be a key to why uh-huh. they're experiencing, you know, issues with their bodies. Hmm. Hey, are you familiar with the work of uh, Eric Pearl? Yes. Uh, is the, re- Reiki- the reconnection. Yeah, yeah the yeah. reconnection. is. It sounds like when you do the remote, it's similar to... I think that it is, Uh you know, I've never taken any of his classes. Um, I I read his books. I 
I love to read. <laughs> so I read, if you name a book, I've probably read it. Um, I, I read his books when they first came out and, um, and it was very impactful, but Reiki is, uh, is something it, you know, it's all about energy and it's passed from Reiki master, which just mm. means someone who can teach. All that means is I'm someone who can teach Reiki, um, but it's passed from Reiki master to Reiki practitioner to Reiki master. And so it has a lineage and it can be traced back to Japan. And, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's really become so popular. And I have to say that I think those of us who have had anomalous experiences, and that covers a pretty broad range, <laughs> as we all know. I think those of us who have had those types of experiences are particularly drawn to Reiki because the most wonderful part about Reiki is as that energy comes through to heal and support the person that I'm working with, it's actually healing and supporting me too. Mm-hmm. Hmm, it's you know, double whammy. So, and I love that about it. People will say, don't you get tired? And I'm like, absolutely not. It's just <laughs> the reverse. I feel energized and I feel really good whenever I'm doing Reiki on a consistent basis. Uh, now, have you, you ever done it on yourself? Oh yeah. Self-healing is the, is the first level. So there's three levels. The first level is all about self-healing. And I teach first responders. I probably shouldn't out myself because other Reiki people are going to be like, you do what? So I teach all the first responders in my life and people who come to me and massage therapists, they're level one. And I do it for free because they're in people's energy fields all the time. And first responders, especially, you know, the EMTs, the police officers, all the people who are going out for tragedies and mayhem, um, they are traumatized so often. They're living in a state of trauma and um, there's not enough therapists on the planet to get through all of that. So what Reiki does is that it's not, it's better than all of the therapists on the planet. It's divine. And it just comes down through and they can do self-healing. Once they've learned it, they can be using that to heal themselves. You know, you never want to be in a situation where you have to be dependent on a person to help you um, when you can, you know, when I can teach them and then they can help themselves. That doesn't mean they don't call me when things get a little crazy. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, most of the people that I teach, um, are out there using Reiki self-healing every huh. day. That's great. Yeah. Are, are you working with uh, specific spirit guides, uh, all the time or the, does that vary? I do. I, I have my spirit guides and that's not something that I, not, I generally bring into a Reiki session in terms of conversation. I don't, you know, share all of that because they don't necessarily need to know my process because that's mm-hmm. personal to me. But yes, I have spirit guides that I work with. Um, they, they named themselves steward, which I loved because steward <laughs> is right. Steward exactly. or steward. <laughs> it's kind of a D or T doesn't matter. They don't care. Uh-huh. And the reason is that either one carries your bags and uh, they're there to help you on the journey. That's what they told me. They didn't care. They said English American. We don't care which way you use the letter. <laughs> Just know that that's who we are. and We're here to help you to carry the baggage. And, um, you know, bless them because that's just what I do. I give it to them and I say, you guys deal with it. And you just bring me what's really essential for me to know. I also have a spirit guide who was a friend who passed, who is Native American. And he showed up almost immediately and he gets in my bed all the time. So he's very close and he's someone who passed in, um, he, he passed in 2006, around the same time as my crazy synchronicity with him. Lots of that. So yeah. uh, he's part of my life, and his name is Two Feathers. And oh, two Feathers. So that's cool. Yeah, that's that's his alias. That's not what I call him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is actually you know his name and um, his native name is Two Feathers. Sus- Suzanne, uh, can you talk a little bit about the uh, healing that you did for Trish recently? If that's sure. okay for both of you. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. So um, what we did was we, I, I sort of said, okay, I'm going to work on you in the morning uh, for the next two mornings, and I'm going to send you Reiki healing. So the way that that is done is that I treat you as if you were a client on my table. 
and as if you were right in front of me. And as I said earlier, there are hand positions that you use for Reiki. And so I start, uh, I start at the back of your head and then I start with your crown and work my way down through the different positions. And as I'm holding each one, um, the energy is flowing through. And so I think, uh, I was trained as a massage therapist and one of the, one of the, um, one of the core, um, understanding, understanding is that everything starts at the top. You uh-huh. know, if your back is bothering you, it's usually because there's something going on in your shoulders. Um, same thing, you know, carpal tunnel starts up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the idea that it just, because you get referred pain, sometimes it doesn't mean that's, that's actually what's going on. So my guides are wonderful and they help me to understand what the underlying issue is. People will say, sometimes call it negativity. I don't, and, you know, and I don't even think of it as blockages. I think of it as misqualified energy. It's, it's habits that we get into, habits of thought, habits of, you know, work, mm-hmm. um, habits, you know, around our life where um, it's just like a repetitive motion thing. For most people, that's what they end up coming in for. But you can repetitively motion yourself into a heart attack if you're not aware of your emotions and doing what you need to do in clearing, you know, in clearing those chakras in your energy field. And really, um, you know, my dream is that someday people understand that and everybody does self-healing and learns that this is just part of life, you know, brush your teeth, clear your energy field, get in the shower. You know, I, I do, I clear my energy field when I get in the shower every day. Mm. So it's just easier that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What, um, I had a question that just went out of my head. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. So, who, who is, uh, Reverend Sheila Applegate? Oh, right. And, uh, how did oh, Sheila, well, Sheila is, has become one of my very best friends. But Sheila, um, so Sheila's story is really intriguing too. Sheila was on the Lockerbie, she will, Sheila was, scheduled to be on the Lockerbie flight uh, with the SU students coming out of London. Mm-hmm. And she had a friend in London who said, stay for the holidays. And she did. And so she was not on the plane. I don't know if you all remember, but the plane that was sh- uh, shot down over Lockerbie, Scotland. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, there was a bomb and, um, and uh, her, um, everyone that she had gone to school with um, uh, was, was killed all of her classmates. So she too, through trauma, and I see this happen a lot. Trauma is a trigger for a lot of these experiences and a lot of these um, openings. And um, so she suddenly um, started to uh, get information and uh, know things about her classmates that she couldn't have possibly known. How old was she? uh, she was young again. She would have uh-huh. been about 21, 22. Wow. And uh, so she worked with a teacher um, up in Syracuse and eventually became a teacher herself. And um, she's really a great teacher. And um, she helped me to be able to figure out what was mine and what wasn't and mm-hmm. um, to, to really define my gifts. And even now I still study with her and uh, take classes. I always study and take classes. When I said I, um, I still seek out thought leaders. I I meant that sincerely. There are so many gifted people on this planet doing amazing work. And, um, and I want to know about (laughs) (laughs) what sign are you? Are you a a Taurus? Oh, Taurus. Ah, Okay. Uh, Surprise, surprise. So this is my theory though. I think I'm a Taurus because it kept me grounded, but I don't know. One of the other signs is Aries. So, no, excuse me, Aquarius. So Aquarius. Okay. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Rob's a Taurus also. Uh, yeah. Um, we like our feet down. <laughs> yeah. So one of my questions now really seems stupid. I had, how does Reiki deepen your intuition and psychic ability? I think you pretty much define that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, what it does though, is it, I think it offers a way for um, intuition to be explored without, um, 
without just saying, okay, I'm going to become a psychic. I tell my clients, I'm not a psychic. That is not what I do. I am not going to um, tell you about your love life. I am not going to read your fortune and you are not going to be able to go out and pick a lottery number. Don't ask. (laughs) Not what I do, but, but what I can do and what I've learned is that anything that is in alignment with the client that supports their highest interest and their healing, it comes right through. Huh. So that's how it's deepened and connected my, my psychic ability. Well, what do your son and your husband think about this? Oh, so my husband had the best. So my husband <laughs> and I've been married about 15 years and, um, and I went, uh, I, I make him a little crazy, but, um, <laughs> but he said to me at one point, I don't have to believe everything you believe. I believe in you. Mm-hmm. And that was just like ding, ding, That's ding! Perfect. Right answer. <laughs> now my son, on the other hand, is the eternal skeptic, and uh, I visited him a few uh, years ago, and he had a kidney stone that began to pass. And so, in the middle of the night, he's like, "Mom, I don't know. I I don't know if I'll be able to get up with baby. Mila is out of my daughter-in-law. She's out of town. Uh, you've got to be listening for the baby." And I said, "Okay." He said, "I need to take a pain pill." I'm like, "Okay, you do what you need to do." And then I sat with my hands on him. He's like, "You're doing Reiki, are you?" <laughs> I said, "Yes, I'm doing Reiki." And he's like, "Okay." So I sat with my hands on him and I did Reiki. And the next morning. I hear him. It's like six in the morning and he's, and I'm like, he took the painkiller at like three. What is going on? So I go out in the living room and I said, are you okay? He said, you are not going to believe this. and Don't say a word. He said, I passed the kidney stone. He said, I heard it hit. So he said it was substantial. And he said, and what did you do to me? <laughs> said, well, you know, you know, you know what this is, son. So it was really cute because he had a group of friends that had a couple of Reiki practitioners in it. And uh, and I said, you know, when they tell them, when you tell them that they're going to make me their queen, right? <laughs> Just get it out. But he's always been so, you know, he's very analytical and he's very smart and you know, and, and he just, he always says to me, I don't know where you get your faith. And, and he said, the world doesn't work like that for most people. And I said, it works like that for me because I have my faith. Uh, And, and I understand that I saw, I saw something on the other side that I can always, that has become my touchstone. And I know that most people don't have that. And I feel so blessed, even though I had to leave. Um, that um, that I had that experience because it does inform everything that I do. I'm assuming he's not a skeptic anymore. <laughs> no, no, he's not. <laughs> so, uh, Susanna, what what kind of other kind of healings, uh, illnesses uh, can Reiki help or cure? Um, it really so um, you know from personal experience, uh, I so I work a lot with cancer patients, but I support them. Um, I believe that uh, it takes a village and um, not everyone is going to be able to receive a Reiki treatment and spontaneously heal from cancer, but someone who is receiving treatment um, using Reiki to support that treatment and with someone who is open to, to the possibilities that any, everything should be tried. Um, I think really moves people forward. I think it makes them feel safe. And I think there's a lot of judgment in healing communities. I mean, there's a lot of judgment out in the world anyway, but I've seen people who have been like, no, don't do chemo. You need to do this. And if you do this, you'll be fine. And then I see the other camp that's like, that stuff is ridiculous. Just do chemo. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been blessed enough to work with a few doctors who are willing um, to consider that it's a body, mind, spirit proposition, mm-hmm. and that you need to be supporting all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I do that, and then, um, and then a lot of uh, I do tend to work with a lot of people with anxiety, especially younger people, and it's rampant right now. So, because um, of COVID or because of the world or what? The world. I think uh-huh. it's a really. I mean, you know, it's never been easy to grow up in this world, but I think it's particularly trying and difficult right now. So mm-hmm. you do get a lot of young people who, who are very anxious about the shape of the world. It's understandable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that 
the uh, Reiki began in uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, can you talk a little bit about the origins there? What, what, how did it develop, you know? It was a Buddhist monk. Um, there will be those who try to tell you that it isn't and that it was something that has to do with Christianity, but um, <laughs> but I don't think that that was the case. I, you know, he was very learned. Buddhism math. makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it's really about neutrality and um, stepping in as a healer um, and allowing that energy, that life force energy, Reiki's life force energy to move through you and into your, into your client. Um, I know that there are people who are much better around the history and um, understand the history of Reiki in ways that I don't. I never really focused on that, um, in all honesty. I just, um, you know, you know it by its works. And I couldn't believe how much my life was impacted and the lives of the people around me that I knew um, were impacted as they were learning Reiki and then uh, practicing Reiki. Yeah. When I first started, I was working with a friend who was a pediatrician, and we would work with some of her patients um, with their parents' huh. permission. Permission is essential to Reiki. You have to receive someone's permission. Um, and we would work with some of her <clears throat> patients. And, um, and it, was just, uh, it was just astonishing to me to see the sense of um, peace and calm that would hmm. accompany the treatment. And again, I think that's why it works really well with people with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lineage um, that started in Japan, came to Hawaii. And from a Hawaii, I think there were originally 20 people um, that were uh, trained as Reiki masters. And from there, those 20 people have uh, it trickled down and, huh. and all the Reiki people that you see now can in some way, shape or form trace themselves back to that, those 20 huh. people. Hmm. And so, what, what what year was that about? Uh, do you know? I think it, it was in to... the. I, and again, forgive me. And anyone who does Reiki or is a Reiki master will be like, "Why don't you know this?" And I do know <laughs> this, but not right now. Um, <laughs> I have to go over notes on this part. Um, yeah. I believe it was in the fifties and sixties. Okay. It was it was quite a while ago, and fifties, yeah. uh, I believe. And uh, so it's it's a fascinated fascinating lineage. But when I went to massage school, one of the things that we talked about was, um, was that touch is, um, is essential to, you know, we know that it's essential to um, growing people, babies, and um, to all of us. And it's really there is there anything more basic than touch and hug, and you know, putting your hands on someone, we all express it. We all naturally do it. Oh my goodness. You know, all that really touched my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you're making me crazy. You know, <laughs> I, I have people who make me rub my face. You know, those are the, <laughs> but like, but we do this um, unconsciously. And, um, and the difference is that Reiki brings that to an art form and you do it um, in full consciousness. And mm-hmm. you're asking again for that connection to the divine. What kind of uh, illnesses or problems did you work on with with these kids when you worked for the when, with the pediatrician? Uh, we worked a lot. Well, um, we worked a lot with um, again anxiety, um, ADHD, ADD, uh-huh. ADHD, that kind of thing. Um, I have a brother who had stage four throat cancer, and um, and. I was able to support him as much as possible with Reiki and he survived. Um, yeah. And, um, and I, you know, again, I, if he had just gotten Reiki, it's just like having a broken leg, you know, you need to do what you need to do. And he also received chemo and he did Uh everything that he was asked to do, but the difference, because we couldn't, I couldn't do massage on him. There was no other way to really, he was in pain and uncomfortable and, um, but Reiki, because it's not, it's, it's a light touch or can be done at a distance, um, could support someone who can't in that moment be touched and still mm-hmm. make them feel that sense of a hug. You know, you can imagine a hug even right. if you're not getting one and Reiki has that same essential quality to it. Huh. That's hmm. fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, I understand that you live in North Carolina and when we've uh, traveled in North Carolina, uh, I don't know why, but people have just 
come up out of nowhere and started wanting to talk to talk to me about the Bible. And it's 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 the heart of the Bible belt, and or they they mention uh, the devil or Satan. And uh, I, as a Reiki healer, do you do you hear do you, do you get uh, some of that too? Well, you know, um, that we're blowing part- her cover, Rob. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is part of the reason that I went to massage school here. I needed to understand. Um, you know, my husband <clears throat> is from here, but his outlook is a little different than that. And um, and I was raised Catholic by a Methodist mother and a Baptist grandmother, <laughs> but not Southern Baptist is a little different. <laughs> yeah, there's. So I I kind of knew what the territory would require, and at the same time, I knew that this modality could be so helpful to so many people. Yeah. So I, I when I went to massage school, um, the director of the school was absolutely wonderful, and she said, "I'm going to teach you how to talk Southern." And she said, I'm going to teach you how to connect with people who might otherwise be afraid. And it's been very slow going, but the massage therapists are the people that have come to me initially because they knew me, because they trusted me, because they, you know, because I I told them right up, I'm not going to read your fortune where none of that stuff is happening. And because they, every single day, they have experiences when they put their hands in someone's energy field or on them that they can't explain. They don't know why they put their hand exactly where it hurts. Um, They don't know why they get next to a client and suddenly they're feeling that they have a headache. They don't know why um, their shoulders bothering them. All of a sudden my shoulder was fine. And then realize that the client is the one having the shoulder. uh So because they experience these things on a day-to-day basis, they're much more open to the possibility that there's more to God than than the Bible mm-hmm. than the Bible right. is reading it at this mm-hmm. point. Okay. So um and so I'm very respectful. Mm-hmm. I, I really try to be very, very respectful. And I, you know, I'm certainly everything about Reiki is around permission and around free will. People get to do what uh-huh. they want to do. But they know that I'm here if, if they need me, and I get calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, in a sense, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. She just reminded me of something. In a sense, uh, both Reiki and massage therapy, it's it's an empathic thing, it is. right? Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's technique to both. You know, both have a technique around them. But the people who really love it and are passionate about it and who are, you know, end up being very good at it are people who use that empathic ability. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's why you can usually tell, you know, you know, you see the massage therapist, you see the Reiki, you know, you can usually tell they have that that same sort of crunchy granola energy. Right, you know, right. They're all <laughs> crunchy they hog each other all the time. I'm an Italian American, so hugging was like it was a given for me. <laughs> I was very comfortable with the idea of touch, and I think that it, it you know, that is a big part of it. Yeah. It's not for everybody. And my son, um, you know, my adult son is is not necessarily of that same um, <clears throat> makeup. So mm-hmm. for him, he's a little, uh, just a little more reserved. And so I think Reiki was harder, and you know, up until you know, the whole kidney stone thing uh-huh. for him to be able to deal with. That's a great story. Yeah. Now with, with the Reiki, you don't need to touch though, like massage though, right? Isn't that? No, no. And that, as I said, it's one of the gifts and especially, um, you know, people have traumas and sometimes their traumas won't allow them to be touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not uncommon for, um, for, people who have experienced uh, physical trauma in their lives to react, you know, when you get close to their throat Mm -hmm. or um, have some sort of uh, um, breakdown um, as you're working your way as a massage therapist. So the gift with Reiki is that you don't have to touch them. You can Mm -hmm. still do the work because that light, that energy will work through all of this. Have you ever worked with a, Rape victims, um, uh, molestation victims. Yes, yeah, molestation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and and again, you know, you sometimes people 
I mean, when they come for a Reiki session, most people don't even know what Reiki is. So they're coming in and someone has told them you have to go and they're laying on the table. You're fully dressed. Um, I use a light blanket just so people have that sense of security mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm working on them. But that's why, you know, you get to the throat. There's certain areas of the body that you'll start to work on and there will be a physical, visceral reaction. And um, immediately, you know, and my guides are really good about giving me a heads up. It used to be that I, I wouldn't know until I was in the midst of something like that. But as time went on, they gave me a heads up. I think the most surprising story um, that I can share is the day that I heard a gunshot as I was working on a client Mm. and I clearly heard a gunshot. And um, this was when I was still a little newer about sharing my impressions and, um, and still feeling a little insecure. And I said to him, do you want me to share what I experienced? And he said, yes. And uh, I said, okay. I said, so I started from the top of his head and I, you know, as I moved down, I said, well, this is what I experienced here. And this is what I experienced here. And I said, but when I got your, to your stomach, I heard a gunshot. And I, again, I watched the color drain from him and he grabbed my hand and he said, look, and I'm like, look, so I'm looking at his hand and this is, you know, how our brains work. I I don't know what I'm looking at. (laughs) And then he says, look, and he shows me and he's missing part of his baby little finger. And he said, I was cleaning a gun and it went off. And he said, it took my finger off Uh. and it grazed my stomach. And he said, and I've been having stomach issues ever since. Huh. Well, that's understandable. And um, I think I cried when I got home. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I just to realize the power of um, of this this healing, this modality, and and to feel like it's such an honor to be able to participate in it and be part of it, and um, to be the conduit for that. I went home and cried. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was overwhelming. I mean, it was really overwhelming. Did he improve? He did improve, and uh-huh. then he went on to become a Reiki level one student. Oh, really? And he was about right. to become a Reiki level two student. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he became. I, I think he was. He, you know, he was pretty open before that, um, but uh, that sort of sealed the deal and tied the knot. And so uh, I see him often and we've become good friends, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, did it he was study fun. with you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now He's how, how do the different levels work in Reiki? I mean, how do you go from a one to a two, for instance? So part of what makes Reiki Reiki is there's an attunement and the attunement means that I'm putting symbols in somebody's field in their energetic field. And the way I think about that is I think about it as uh, as um, the symbols are connections. So there's a physical and emotional and uh, a distance. There's a distant symbol um, and then a master symbol. And um, so you just uh, physical, emotional, spiritual and master symbol. And so you really just plug in to those symbols when you want to focus on a particular type of healing. Um, the gift about being a master teacher is a healer, teacher healer. I don't know. I calling yourself a healer seems ridiculous, but I don't know. I've tried other words. Nothing else works. I'm not the healer, but being a master conduit means that um, that I have one symbol that I work with, and then it covers all of it. So that's huh. kind of a good it, reason to become a. I mean, is it a personal symbol? <laughs> no, no. These okay, are so these, these are, are Japanese Japanese symbols. Um, and, uh, and as I said, it's distance and physical, emotional, spiritual, past, present, future, they cover that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the Reiki master symbol, which covers all of it. Um, uh, and the symbols are placed in the, in the field, in your field. And as I said, I just think of them as plugins. Um, you know, you just plug your energy into that and, um, and that specific quality of energy starts to flow through you and, and, um, and, and supports the, uh, all the work that you're doing. Uh, but you say it's placed in the field, you place them, right? And the person's, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And that's really like many things that are a little more esoteric and metaphysical that's done by intention. Okay. 
I that was my next question. <laughs> I intend to put my, those symbols into someone's field and their intention is to use them to support their clients and the highest good of all concern, always mm. the highest good of all concerned. So Suzanne, you've, uh, in your bio, you mentioned that you, uh, you, you began Reiki in 2006, but you uh, left a career in high f- uh, fashion. So uh, what did you do in that world? Uh, I managed a bridal salon and was a buyer in New York and did fashion shows and sat in those front rows, you know, okay. and uh, <laughs> made sure I had good shoes and a cheap suit and <laughs> I was good to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun, it was a really fun career. And it was one of those things I just kind of happened into. Um, yeah. And I, I I loved it. But, um, but there came a point when I knew that this was the path that I was supposed to be on. Uh-huh. Truly, though, only over the last year has it finally all started to come together in a way that makes me feel like, oh, all these, all this work and energy and effort has been for now. This is all for right yeah. now. So okay, you know, when are you going to write a book? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love to read books too much to write them. I've started twenty-seven books at least. <laughs> I love to write, but I'm really busy right now, and yeah. so everything right now is the doing. And uh, maybe someday in a few years, I'll I'll think about writing some of it. But uh, yeah. I, I know, Trish, I, I'm like, you are a warrior. I know every day that you're there writing, writing, writing. I can't believe the number of books, the two of you. And and, and Rob, um, too, I, I say Trish only because she and I have been emailing back and forth. So I'm a little more aware of her schedule. But um, right. for you, I just can't believe the, the amount of uh, words and beautiful works that you two have managed to put out. It's just astonishing. We've been at this a long time. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, it's, oh but still. <laughs> you know, it's, it's in a way, it's like Ricky because uh, I sit down and I have no idea what's going to come up in this next scene. And it just like comes to me and I just start yeah. typing. It's it's amazing, you know. It is, uh, and, and suddenly, uh, is it like channeling? Now I'm going to ask it's like, questions. Yeah, it's, it's like channeling. I think it is. It's, Suddenly you have a chapter and where did this come from? Because I had no idea what was, you know, I have a kind of general idea of an outline of a story, but not the specific details. And that's just, uh, you know, for me, Trish likes to work late at night, but for me, earlier in the morning when I, I just have a cup of coffee and sit down and uh, it just starts, I start with one or two words and it's just, uh, okay, uh, seem to be tuning into something or right for bit. And, you know, it just, it just takes off. And, and, wow. and for, and for what it's worth, uh, just yesterday, Rob was looking for a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to mention yeah. that, John. <laughs> that was everything I wrote in one day. There was about uh, 2,200 words. And I, what I had done is I had copied it just to see, actually just to see how many words that was. And then I was going to uh, put it into a separate file from the book and instead i hit delete <laughs> and everything everything i wrote just uh in the last uh you know 24 hours it just vanished and uh so i was looking for ways and uh john was trying to help me and so finally it got to the point where you know i went to the gym for a while and i came back at the gym i just kept thinking about how am i going to get those uh those pages back and then i came home and uh Trish is out shopping or something at the grocery store. And I just sat down and meditated a bit. And it just occurred to me that in my program, you know, it auto auto saves. And I, and I thought, Oh, where does the auto save go? (laughs) And, (laughs) And so I Googled that and I realized it's right in my, right in my word program there's there's something you go hit file and go down and it's a and it says uh your uh different versions of your history and i click that and ah there it is i found uh, it <laughs> wow 2200 yeah. words yeah, that's yeah. a lot and yeah uh, and i and i recovered actually there it, the last time it had auto saved it was a, a couple paragraphs before <laughs> But uh, that that's all I had to to make up, so that was uh, that was really easy. But uh, it's scary it's scary when that happens, though. You know, <laughs> I can I can only imagine that would be yeah. just terrifying. 
I yeah. still, you know, everything I write, I still, I have my pen, I have, you know, my pencils and it's so lame, but that's probably why it takes me so long and why I've started 27 and then moved on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you start, you I mean, lose 27 by hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm just being facetious. I, you know, no, I, I don't, really, I have not really written, um, anything start to finish, but I have worked on a lot. I, you know, I have a lot of ideas because I think that, I think that the world is a really, uh, is really struggling. And, um, and I think that healers that are committed to um, forgiveness mm-hmm. and are committed to helping people to see their, um, their own goodness. And maybe especially where I am and, you know, feeling that sense that, you know, they have value and, Mm -hmm. um, and that God is a loving God. Um, I think that those things are really, really important. So, you know, maybe eventually there's a book in that. Yeah. I think it would help people, you know, especially in this transitional time. Oh, it's yeah. So John, the self healing, John, do you have any questions? for Suzanne? Oh, no, no. I think, I think you guys have covered it and fascinating conversation and really interesting, Suzanne. I, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a great oh, show. Oh, my pleasure, yeah. John. Yeah. So how can, how can people reach you, Suzanne? Uh, so I am still undercover. I don't have a website. I you know, just, <laughs> you get such a kick out of it. <laughs> we blew I, your I, cover. I, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know you blew my cover, Trish. Um, I am at light hearted being all one word lighthearted being eight because it's a universal number right at gmail.com yeah it's like infinity on the side yeah yeah right. yes. <laughs> exactly it that's why it's yeah. got to be an eight right okay. now okay so what okay you're undercover because you're in that part of north carolina right yeah. okay yeah but you I, could I, do I, a yeah, website yeah. You could do a website. <laughs> I probably could. My son keeps nagging me now. Of course, he keeps nagging me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he says, mom, you really should. And I, I you know, I, honestly, I just haven't because it didn't seem like it, it was just a word of mouth thing. Right. And um, <clears throat> people would come. And, and um, so at some point I may put on my um, grown up shoes. and <laughs> get a website I just think it would and, be helpful. You know, to people yeah. who don't know about Reiki or who, you know, are looking for answers or relief or whatever. I will take your advice. I will take your sage <laughs> advice. Yeah. Put that to practice. I'll let you know when I get my website. Okay. Yeah. Now, can your son build it for you? Uh, well, he can certainly help. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, he's He just turned 40. So the answer is always yes for anybody okay. under 40, right? <laughs> yeah. True. Well, so thank John, you very much. This, wait, wait, what is this okay. going up, John? John. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't unmute. Um, so this would Tonight? be, can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think, uh, so, uh, Bernard Bateman goes up today and, okay. uh, then I think this will be next week as far okay. as, I, as far as I know. So, so, uh, so yeah. So this will go up on what the, uh, ninth. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's okay, right. Today's the second. Okay, yeah. so I'll send you the link when it goes up so that someday you can put it on your website. That sounds great, Trish. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very this much. So much fun. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for this was so much fun. And thank you for working on my ankle. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime, really. Just reach out and let me know. Okay. I, uh, people call and text me all the time, and they're like, Can you help? And yes, the answer is yes. Okay. 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 All right. Thanks nice so much, Suzanne. Show. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. I know. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, 
Thank you for listening and stay mystical. Yeah.